As I was thinking about our lesson for tonight, and we've been talking about different conversations um, all throughout the year that Jesus has had uh, with different types of people. But one of, one of his shorter conversations is actually one of his more uh, better-known conversations. And it's when Jesus is talking to his disciples about children and about how we ought to view children. Now, it's easy for me to love my own children, but not always everyone else's children. Is that true? That doesn't make me a bad person, does it? I mean, most of us kind of feel that way. Some of you guys are, are wired a little bit different, and you just love all the, but, but most people aren't like that, right? Uh, you, you don't mind keeping your grandkids, but I don't know about everybody else's kids. Sometimes we, we look at children, and we can be very impatient with them because, well, because they're childish, Right? Because we live in this grown-up world, this very adult world where, where we're supposed to behave in a certain way and, and to have a certain seriousness about us and a certain maturity about us. And, and, and guess what our children don't have? I mean, they, they have it every once in a while. You get glimpses of it, right? Um, you know, the, 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 whether you get the 4-year-old or the 40-year-old, you, sometimes you, you never know. But, but it can be a challenge. I remember uh, when I first started preaching we had a um, Monday night men's Bible class, and one of, one of the older men, one of the older gentlemen in the class, uh, he, w- he would talk about people that brought their kids to class, and, and they very much thought that they ought to bring their kids to class. Their, their, their children needed to be in this Bible class, and it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a kid's Bible class, all right? It wasn't when I was a child, I learned as a, learned as a child. It was, I'm an adult, and I'm going to learn as an adult, okay? And, and his kids would, you know, they wouldn't be too bad, but, but you knew they were there, and this particular gentleman, a wonderful Christian man, but he would start going on and on about, you know, when my kids were growing up, I brought them to class, and they just sat there, and they didn't make a sound. And he, you've heard the conversation. And there was another older gentleman who was of similar age who leaned over, and he said, I think he forgot about what his kids were like. <laughs> but but some, sometimes we do that. Well... In Matthew chapter 19, people are bringing children to Jesus. I mean, everyone wants to see Jesus, right? He's healing people. He's speaking in ways that people have never spoken before. I mean, it is, it is the, the Son of Man, the, the Son of God. Uh, I want my children to see this person. But as they're bringing children to Him, He's in the midst of something very, very serious. You know, there are certain times where it's easy to be patient with children, right? But there are certain times when I'm, I'm kind of stressed out. Now, most of us, when we think of Matthew chapter 19, well, what, what do we think about? Marriage, divorce, and remarriage, right? Now, is that, is that a serious topic? Oh, you better believe that's a serious topic. Tance, if, if, I'm, I'm assuming over the years you've preached a sermon on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And here's what I probably know. You were probably nervous about that sermon. What are people going to say? How are people going to take this? How am I going to phrase this? I mean, you just know. You're on kind of pins and needles that I'm out there and I'm dealing with some, with some things that are very, very serious. That's what Jesus is talking about. So if you can kind of set the mood that Jesus is just talking about some of the most personal and intimate things that, 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 well, that a, a preacher can talk about. As a matter of fact, it was so serious that when people listened to what he said, they said, well, maybe, hey, it might even be better if, if we just didn't even get married because this is so serious. 
right? And, and Jesus, you know, he looks at them as, as only Jesus can do, and he says, well, there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs made eunuchs by men, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. He who was able to accept this, let him accept it. And Jesus doesn't back down from this, right? He says, yeah, that's the way it is. And he starts talking about making yourself a eunuch. That's pretty serious discussion going on there. So I, I just want to kind of set the scene of we're talking about some of the most challenging sections of the New Testament and of the ministry of Jesus. And in the midst of this, read the very next verse. In the midst of this, then some children were brought to him so that he might lay hands so he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples are there in the midst of this and, and they're in this very serious matter. And these parents seem to be very concerned that their children get, get, to, get to see Jesus, right? That have Jesus pray for them. What did the disciples do? Well, you know what they did. They, they rebuked them, right? They, 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 they rebuked the children. I'm assuming they rebuked the parents. And that, that rebuke was, hey, if I could paraphrase what I think is going on here, we're trying to deal with some grown-up stuff here. Okay? So, I mean, there's a time and a place for children, but this is not it. You need to get your kids out of here, because we're talking about some really serious stuff. And so sometimes we're hard on the disciples, right? Because we say, well, they should have been more patient with the children. But, but I want us to not be so hard on them, because if we could understand what it was that they were talking about. And that's when Jesus turns to them, as Jesus did so often with his disciples. And, and, and I, by the way, I think Jesus does that towards us on many occasions. Not, not, not literally, but, but figuratively, if, if we will make this application for ourselves. And Jesus says, let the children alone. I, kn I know you're trying to help, okay? I know you're trying to help. But I'm telling you to leave these little children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So when we think of who the kingdom of heaven belongs to, I'm tempted to think of the I'm tempted to think of, of the of the man who's you know, who's uh, in his late 80s and he's lived a faithful Christian life all his life and he's been in pursuit of holiness and he's been in pursuit of making peace. And, I mean, he, I mean he's, he has walked with the Lord for years and years and years, right? I would think the kingdom of heaven belongs to the old people because they're probably closer to heaven than the young people, right? T typically the way that we think about that. But Jesus flips it. He says, I want, to, I want you to think about this. He says, these children, you let them come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What does he mean when he says that? Well, in other places, Jesus would say, unless you are converted and become like the little children. So there's this, there's this point where there's this point where I'm, I'm thinking um, I'm thinking that our, our youngest boys, right? Uh, I'm thinking that Tucker needs to become like Mike, right? 
right? I mean, he's, he's a boy, he's a child, no shoes, running around, right? I mean, but, that, but Jesus says, but, and, and there's some truth in that, with growth and maturity and wisdom and stature with men, right? But, but Jesus says, I want you to see the opposite. There's a sense. There's a sense in which Mike needs to become like Tucker. Why? He's referring to their innocence. This amazing thing of children who don't know sin. Children who will have sin in their very presence and they don't understand it. They're, they're, they're very naive about these things. And in our, our culture, to be naive is almost like a, it's a bad thing, right? Who wants to be naive? It just means you don't understand, right? But, but I'm telling us to be naive is, is a great, great blessing in, in many, many ways. We, we somehow think we get bonus points the more that we know about sin. No. To be innocent is a good thing. As a matter of fact, that's why we need the blood of Christ so much. And it doesn't erase our memory or our knowledge of sin. It doesn't take us back to a childlike state in that way, but it washes away that sin. And these children who, they are children. And yes, they need to learn to, to grow up at some point, right? When I was a child, I learned as a child, but there comes a point I put those things away. There's a point where every one of us, no matter how old we are, how mature we are, can look at the little boys and the little girls and say, that's what I need to look like. And so we have things like vacation Bible school, and we spend hours and hours decorating and teaching classes and things of that nature for the sake of those little children to help them because one day, sooner or later, they're going to transition into adulthood, right? One day, that little child who doesn't know anything about sin is going to learn about sin. It's terrifying as a parent, but you know it's going to happen, and you know it's going to happen because it's happened to every one of us, right? I mean, you're going to wake up to this world that is, that is filled with sin and temptation and struggles of the flesh, and that's the way that human beings work. And so what we're trying to do is to impart the Word of God into that child in their innocence before they become worldly in their understanding, before they become cynical in, in the way that, that they see life. And we're trying to plant those seeds in their lives, their seed that is the Word of God, so that it will impact the type of man and the type of woman that they actually grow into being. There's really this beautiful um, symbiotic relationship where I learn from my children and my children learn from, from me. And so our, our, our thrust this week is going to be, if you couldn't guess it, I mean, it's going to be about the fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, it's really I mean, a classic text uh, there in Galatians chapter 5. And, and Paul starts off by, by describing the, the works of the flesh. It's kind of interesting. Um, he, says, he says the works of the flesh, these are... What's the word he uses? Um, Self-evident, I think is what he says. Yeah, uh, verse 19, the deeds of the flesh are evident. I wish I had to, but I don't really have to tell you what the deeds of the flesh are. We see them every day. Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who participate in such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, this is the bad part of it. But 
but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the life that is led by the Spirit of God. Right? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I die to myself. That's Galatians 2. Paul's talking about that, right? So, so that, 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 that life that I live where all of a sudden it's, it's not Geraldine who, who controls Geraldine. That would be disastrous for any one of us. But it's the Lord that controls Geraldine. That's what he's going to describe here. This is the goal, right? And this is what we're trying to prepare our, 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 young, our young boys and our young girls for. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a list and we can sing it, but, but within every one of those words, there are things that are going to be so key to living a godly life. To know what it means to love another person. Right? To, to, to love to the point that we are sacrificial. The greater love knows no man than this, right? That one would lay down one's life for another. You don't sacrifice for anybody and everybody. You sacrifice for people that you love. When, when you can begin to see that in a child's life. You know, there's so many selfish people in the world. There's so many people that we deal with every day that care about me, myself, and I. But the life that is led by the Spirit is filled with love compassion for others, joy. I want, I want our young people to know that, listen, to grow up and, and be a Christian doesn't mean that you're just this stodgy person who never has any fun at all, who doesn't enjoy life. I'm very much of the opinion that we can, we can spend our life serving the Lord and we can have a good time doing it. We can find joy even in the midst of trials. We, we, we see that all throughout the Scriptures. But, but you don't get that point on the, on, on the worst day of your life. Right? On the day that something goes terribly wrong, I don't come to you and say, you know, but you really should have joy in your life. And you're going to say, well, why are you telling me this now? Right? You learn that point long before the trials come. And that seed is put into your mind about, about the joy that we find in Christ and the fulfillment that we find in Christ. To be a people who are filled with peace. A peace that Paul would say passes all human understanding. That challenge to help our children to know that whatever happens to you, it's going to be okay. Because God is in control. That's why it's a peace that passes understanding. It's not a peace that I understand everything about. So many people want to find peace by all their problems going away. And most of you lived enough life to know that's never going to happen. If that's what you're waiting for, then you just kiss peace goodbye. You'll never have it. It's always something. It's always something. We got back from our, vac- from our vacation, and man, I came back. I had a dead car battery. Our refrigerator doesn't work, and I'm a little concerned about the air conditioner in my truck. I'm like, what's the deal? And I can tell you there's a part of me that just rears me up. I can have peace. I can have peace even if my refrigerator doesn't work. Patience. To be kind. Don't we need more kindness in this world? Don't we need more kindness in this world? Don't we need more kindness in the church? I think we struggle with this in the church, and and it impacts the way even that we reach out to others. Because sometimes I, I think... 
and maybe this is just comparing to the world, and this is part of my opinion, but, um, but, but this idea of, I think we, we feel like we've accomplished our, our task at showing the love and the compassion of Christ as long as we're not mean to each other. Right? I mean, I may never say a word to you, but I feel like I just haven't been mean to you. I haven't said ugly things to you. What about going out of our way to be kind to people? To speak positive words to people? I'm telling you, these are all learned behaviors, right? That starts when you're young. Don't decide when you're 40, okay, I'm going to start being kind. Now, if you haven't been kind, then do, great. Start, start when you're 80 for all I care, right? But I'm going to say it's a whole lot easier if you, if you do this when you're four. And you just live a life where we're just going to think about other people. To be faithful. To be gentle. You ever, met, you ever met someone who wasn't gentle? I've known a lot of people who were right about a lot of things, but they were like a bull in a china shop. Sometimes, in, you've learned this in your marriages, right? That something needs to be said and there's a, there's a gentle way to say it and there's a harsh way to say it. Same thing sometimes has to be said. Right? I think about this a lot in preaching and trying to find balance in that, and I don't know how well I do with that, but I think about it a lot. I want to I do this in a gentle way. And I may have to say something that I know is not going to be, that someone may, may not appreciate, but can I do that with gentleness in my heart? Ladies, you might have told your husbands, it's not always what you say. What is it, Jack? It's how you say it. Right? You ever heard that? Yeah, a couple times, more than we'd like to admit, right? That's all he's saying. That's all he's saying. To be gentle. We're trying to plant that seed in the, in the minds of these children. But, but then, I like this at the end. Some of, most of my life, I think I, I just kind of slid over this. Against such things, there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. Kind of a weird thing to say there, Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What, what, what do you mean when he says that, that there is no law? It, I think what he's saying is, as he contrasts these things with, with, with the deeds of the flesh, hey, there's nothing that's keeping you from being a gentle person. There's nothing that's keeping you from being a loving person. There's nothing that's keeping you from having joy in your life. There's no law against those things. This goes back to what we talked about this morning, right? The only thing that keeps you from being a person who is, who is gentle with other people, oh, you know what keeps you from that, don't you? It's you. It's, it, it's, it's not some outside force that's going to keep you from being these things. So will I choose a life that's led by the flesh, or will I choose a life that's led by the Spirit? I know these are things that we make application to throughout all of our life. But our goal throughout this week is to plant these seeds in the lives in the lives of our smallest children. Because if they can grow up to be, a, to be boys and girls and young men and young ladies who are filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, if they can be that, does that impact what kind of church we have? In 10 years... And in 20 years, you better believe it. And if they don't understand these things, does that also impact what sort of church we have? Oh, you better believe it. So
So we want to bring up that generation of men and women of God. To the adults in the room, we want to look at those children, even in the midst of all of our very serious business. And you say, you know what? I can learn something from this child. I can learn something about what I'm striving to be. And we can grow in the Lord together. That's going to be our goal this week. But that's also our goal even this very evening. Are we living a life? Are we going to live a life that's led by our desires? That will lead us nowhere good very quickly. Are we going to live a life that says, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. To be led by the Spirit of God is what he's saying here in Galatians. He talks about it in Romans. That's what it means to be a Christian. And I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see that seed produce fruit in the lives of these young men and young ladies. But I'm excited to see that seed produce fruit in my life and in your life. And so our invitation would simply be to come and walk with the Lord. If you're outside of Christ, to be born again. To have your sins washed away, to be added to His body. If you're, if you're failing, if, if you've taken back the control of your life and, and you've, well, you've decided that you're going to call the shots, it's time to come back. If you're just overwhelmed with life, to come and say, I'm not in this life by myself. I don't know all the answers. I don't have all these things figured out. Some, some days I feel like I do better than others, right? Some days I feel like I do a lot worse than others. I take my burdens and my cares and my anxieties and I cast them upon the Lord because He's the one that has the answer and He's the one that knows the way home. If we don't learn anything else, we need to learn that. Friends, if you have a need tonight, why don't we come as we stand and as we sing?